Book Two, Chapter Six of Amelia, Volume One. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Amelia by Henry Fielding, Chapter Six, containing many surprising adventures. There, continued he, I remained the whole day in hope of a happiness, the expected approach of which gave me such a delight that I would not have exchanged my poor lodgings for the finest palace in the universe. A little after it was dark, Mrs. Harris arrived, together with Amelia and her sister. I cannot express how much my heart now began to flutter, for, as my hopes every moment increased, strange fears which i had not felt before began now to intermingle with them when i had continued full two hours in these circumstances i heard a woman's step tripping upstairs which i fondly hoped was my amelia but all on a sudden the door flew open and mrs harris herself appeared at it with a countenance pale as death her whole body trembling i suppose with anger she fell upon me in the most bitter language it is not necessary to repeat what she said nor indeed can i i was so shocked and confounded on this occasion in a word the scene ended with my departure without seeing amelia and pray cries miss matthews how happened this unfortunate discovery booth answered that the lady at supper ordered a bottle of wine which neither myself says he nor the servants had presence of mind to provide being told there was none in the house though she had been before informed that the things came all safe she had sent for the maid who being unable to devise any excuse had fallen on her knees and after confessing her design of opening a bottle which she imputed to the fellow betrayed poor me to her mistress well madam after a lecture of about a quarter of an hour's duration from mrs harris i suffered her to conduct me to the outward gate of her courtyard whence i set forth in a disconsolate condition of mind towards my lodgings i had five miles to walk in a dark and rainy night but how can i mention these trifling circumstances as any aggravation of my disappointment how was it possible cried miss matthews that you could be got out of the house without seeing miss harris i assure you madam answered booth i have often wondered at it myself but my spirits were so much sunk at the sight of her mother that no man was ever a greater coward than i was at that instant indeed i believe my tender concern for the terrors of amelia were the principal cause of my submission however it was i left the house and walked about a hundred yards when at the corner of the garden wall a female voice in a whisper cried out mr booth the person was extremely near me but it was so dark i could scarce see her nor did i in the confusion i was in immediately recognize the voice i answered in a line of congreves which burst from my lips spontaneously for i am sure i had no intention to quote plays at that time who calls the wretched thing that was alfonso upon which a woman leapt into my arms crying out oh it is indeed my alfonso my only alfonso 
Oh, Miss Matthews, guess what I felt when I found I had my Amelia in my arms. I embraced her, with an ecstasy not to be described, at the same instant pouring a thousand tendernesses into her ears. At least, if I could express so many to her in a minute, for in that time the alarm began at the house. Mrs. Harris had missed her daughter, and the court was presently full of lights and noises of all kinds. I now lifted Amelia over a gate, and, jumping after, we crept along together by the side of a hedge, a different way from what led to the town, as I imagined that would be the road through which they would pursue us. In this opinion I was right, for we heard them pass along that road, and the voice of Mrs. Harris herself, who ran with the rest, notwithstanding the darkness and the rain. By these means we luckily made our escape, and clambering over hedge and ditch, my Amelia performed the part of a heroine all the way, we at length arrived at a little green lane, where stood a vast spreading oak, under which we sheltered ourselves from a violent storm. When this was over, and the moon began to appear, Amelia declared that she knew very well where she was, and a little farther, striking into another lane to the right, she said that would lead us to a house where we should be both safe and unsuspected. I followed her directions, and we at length came to a little cottage about three miles distant from Mrs. Harris's house. As it now rained very violently, we entered this cottage, in which we espied a light, without any ceremony. Here we found an elderly woman sitting by herself at a little fire, who had no sooner viewed us than she instantly sprung from her seat, and, starting back, gave the strongest tokens of amazement. Upon which Amelia said, "'Be not surprised, nurse, though you see me in a strange pickle, I own.' The old woman, after having several times blessed herself, and expressed the most tender concern for the lady who stood dripping before her, began to bestir herself in making up the fire, at the same time entreating Amelia that she might be permitted to furnish her with some clothes which, she said, though not fine, were clean and wholesome, and much drier than her own. I seconded this motion so vehemently that Amelia, though she declared herself under no apprehension of catching cold, she hath indeed the best constitution in the world, at last consented, and I retired without doors under a shed to give my angel an opportunity of dressing herself in the only room which the cottage afforded below stairs. At my return into the room, Amelia insisted on my exchanging my coat for one which belonged to the old woman's son. "'I am very glad,' cried Miss Matthews, to find she did not forget you. I own I thought it somewhat cruel to turn you out into the rain. "'Oh, Miss Matthews,' continued he, taking no notice of her observation, "'I had now an opportunity of contemplating the vast power of exquisite beauty which nothing almost can add to or diminish. Amelia, in the poor rags of her old nurse, looked scarce less beautiful than I have seen her appear at a ball or an assembly. "'Well, well,' cried Miss Matthews, "'to be sure she did. But pray go on with your story.' The old woman, continued he, after having equipped us as well as she could, and placed our wet clothes before the fire, began to grow inquisitive, 
and after some ejaculations she cried, "Oh, my dear young madam, my mind misgives me hugely, and I pray who is this fine young gentleman? Oh, Miss Emmy, Miss Emmy, I am afraid madam knows nothing of all this matter." "'Suppose he should be my husband, nurse,' answered Amelia. "'Oh, good, and if he be,' replies the nurse, "'I hope he is some great gentleman or other, "'with a vast estate and a coach and six. "'For, to be sure, if and he was the greatest lord in the land, "'you would deserve it all. "'But why do I attempt to mimic the honest creature?' In short, she discovered the greatest affection for my Amelia, with which I was much more delighted than I was offended at the suspicions she showed of me, or the many bitter curses which she denounced against me, if I ever proved a bad husband to so sweet a young lady. I so well improved the hint given me by Amelia, that the old woman had no doubt of our being really married and comforting herself that, if it was not as well as it might have been, yet madam had enough for us both, and that happiness did not always depend on great riches, she began to rail at the old lady for having turned us out of doors, which I scarce told an untruth in asserting. And when Amelia said, she hoped her nurse would not betray her, the good woman answered with such warmth, "'Betray you, my dear young madam, no!' that I would not, if the king would give me all that he is worth. No, not if madam herself would give me the great house and the whole farm belonging to it. The good woman then went out and fetched a chicken from the roost which she killed, and began to pick, without asking any questions. Then, summoning her son, who was in bed, to her assistance, she began to prepare this chicken for our supper. This she afterwards set before us in so neat, I may almost say elegant, a manner, that whoever would have disdained it either doth not know the sensation of hunger, or doth not deserve to have it gratified. Our food was attended with some ale, which our kind hostess said she intended not to have tapped till Christmas. But, added she, I little thought ever to have the honour of seeing my dear honoured lady in this poor place. For my part, no human being was then an object of envy to me, and even Amelia seemed to be in pretty good spirits. She softly whispered to me that she perceived there might be happiness in a cottage. A cottage, cries Miss Matthew, sighing, a cottage with the man one loves is a palace. When supper was ended, continued Booth, the good woman began to think of our further wants, and very earnestly recommended her bed to us, saying it was a very neat, though homely one, and that she could furnish us with a pair of clean sheets. She added some persuasives, which painted my angel all over with vermilion. As for myself, I behaved so awkwardly and foolishly, and so readily agreed to Amelia's resolution of sitting up all night, that if it did not give the nurse any suspicion of our marriage, it ought to have inspired her with the utmost contempt for me. We both endeavoured to prevail with nurse to retire to her own bed, but found it utterly impossible to succeed. She thanked heaven she understood breeding better than that and so well-bred was the good woman that we could scarce get her out of the room the whole night luckily for us we both understood french by means of which we consulted together 
even in her presence, upon the measures we were to take in our present exigency. At length it was resolved that I should send a letter by this young lad, whom I have just before mentioned, to our worthy friend the doctor, desiring his company at our hut, since we thought it utterly unsafe to venture to the town, which we knew would be in an uproar on our account before the morning. Here Booth made a full stop, smiled, and then said he was going to mention so ridiculous a distress that he could scarce think of it without laughing. What this was, the reader shall know in the next chapter. End of Book Two, Chapter Six